This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 129, and today we are talking about books being released on October 17th, 2017, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hello there. It's Friday. I'm so confused. I know. We're recording early. I'm going to be out of town next week doing my annual hiking trip in Shenandoah National Park, hopefully peeping some leaves. I have no idea like if the seasons have actually started changing there because it's been so hot here. Um, but regardless, I will be gone. So you have graciously humored me and we're recording at six o'clock on a Friday evening after a doozy of a week on the internet and in the world. <laughs> Like, I'm having a podcast beer. You told me you're having your last Red Bull, like you've been saving it all day? Yeah, I've been trying, like, I've been trying to cut back. It's not really working. Well, it's working a little bit because I just don't buy any. You know, so I had, like, one left in the house today. So I was saving it for tonight. I was like, I'm going to drink it after. But I cracked it open before we started. But also I sent an SOS text message to my boyfriend, like, please come (laughs) home with Red Bull. So... It's you need one I like in a secret location, like a break glass in case of emergency. Oh, do you remember? So like they might just do it regularly now, but like many years ago, they came out with like regular Pepsi that had like sugar in it instead of like all the junk that mm-hmm. they put in it now, and it was like a limited item, and so it was so good. And I I got one of Pepsi, and I I said to my coworker, I said I want you to hide this because I want to drink this at another time. You know, I don't want to drink it all now. I want to save it because they were going away. And then I forgot about it, and when we moved locations, like, it had eaten through the plastic of the bottle. Like, <gasps> it was just in the... Because she had hidden it in the back room, and, luck, like, underneath a bookcase, so luckily, like, it didn't get on anything, but, like, it had started to, like, erode some of the plastic. It had been, like, four years. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. I was at the dentist earlier this week, and they have a chart of the, like, acidity level of different things, mm-hmm. trying to tell you, you know... N- that you'll damage your teeth if you're drinking really acidic things. And like the highest on the acidity scale is battery acid. And that, like one of the things not too far below it is like a classic Coke. Um, and I don't think Red Bull is on the list, but that's probably for it's the best. So and every time I'm there, I just stare at it and I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. no shade to people drinking a lot of Coke. I eat plenty of things that are not healthy, but it just terrifies me <laughs> every time I have to see that chart. Yeah. I have a problem, like, now we're just talking about dentistry. I have a problem where I <laughs> like to brush my teeth too much. Like, every time I drink a Coke or, mm. you know, eat something, I brush my teeth. And my dentist is like, you brush your teeth too much, I can tell. And I'm just like, but, but I don't want anything touching my teeth. He's like, yes, but you can't keep rubbing them all day. <laughs> <laughs> You'll rub them away. I think yeah. it's, it's probably no surprise to anyone who knows me that I'm also an aggressive toothbrusher. I have gotten yeah. that same lecture. Yeah. So he's like... He's like three times a day. I'm like six. He's like three because I'm usually like ten. And he's oh, like wow. okay, he's that's like a lot. three. <laughs> so sometimes I do really good now. I'm 
like, okay, three, sometimes four, but. All of our neuroses are just on full display right now. Like, it's the end of the week. I have no defenses left. Who knows what's going to happen in this next half hour, but we should probably start talking about books. Oh, oh, before we do that, um, I want to mention one little housekeeping thing. I th- I think I did this wrong. I don't even remember because I didn't go back and check, but I was talking about great books, and I think I got the title of the Greg Ames story collection wrong. I called it oh. Funeral... Some I don't know. It's called Funeral Platter. Um, and I know that I called it something else. Like, after I was like, wait, that's not what I said, is it? So it just popped into my head that I messed that up. So I just wanted to mention the book is actually called Funeral Platter. And so, yeah, now we can talk about other things. Um, All right. So there's books out this week. Yes. Yes. I thought I would start off with something nice. Just Oh, lovely. I'm starting off with something yeah. fun. Yeah. I thought I'd start off with something nice and friendly and happy. It's a book of cartoons. It's a it's sort of a graphic memoir called Present by Leslie Stein. It's out from our friends drawn in quarterly up there in the north. And it is, she's a cartoonist for Vice, I believe. And it's just autobiographical cartoons about work and relationships and family. Um, she has a really great style. She does these very colorful watercolor illustrations, like with pen and ink. Um, they're very unique. It took me about half of the book to realize that she doesn't f- draw faces. Oh. Which sounds strange, right? But she draws the hair of, of, her, of herself, usually, and other people. And puts, like, two dots for eyes, but very rarely, like, there's no circle where the rest of your head would be. And she doesn't use a mouth or a nose or, um, you know, anything else. Except occasionally, like, the characters will get, like, a little bit of blush on their cheeks and stuff. And and I didn't, and once I noticed it, I was like, there are no faces on these people. <laughs> like, it stood out, but it's really cool. It really works. And I was like, what a great way to, like, you know, make yourself, like, recognizable easily and... You know, and it really works. Like, who needs a face? It's great. Um, she gets the point across anyway. And, you know, DQ, D&Q always, they always publish, like, such marvelous books. I just love their stuff. Um, if you like Allie Brosh or Lucy Neasley or Sarah Anderson, it's kind of like that. Um, not as, I don't know what the word is that I want. Um, I think that just the, the fact that they're painted in watercolors make them seem like nicer already mm-hmm. it's like oh more calm it's a very gentle experience yeah like like ali brush like her stuff is is funny but like the squiggly lines just make it seem like all the time anyway no matter what she's talking about um and but like she says some really cute things like about her relationship with her mom and you know being an artist and having to also work and i just i just loved it again it's called the present and it's by leslie stein all right My first pick this week is super fun and kind of astonishing in some of its material. It's the RBG Workout, How She Stays Strong and You Can Too by Bryant Johnson, who is Ruth Bader Ginsburg's personal trainer and has been for quite some time now. Um, If you, like me, are hoping that Ruth Bader Ginsburg will stay alive and well for at least until like 2020. Uh, Yeah, we need her at least for the next three and a half years uh, to be fine and to be working and to be on that bench. Uh, You will love this. She is a boss lady. This is a hard workout. Um, For the last, like, I think more than a decade, she's been working out with Bryant Johnson. 
a couple of times a week, she goes to meet him at one of the special gyms in the Supreme Court, which is just also super cool. But this workout is tough, and the book is fully illustrated. But she does like she does planks, side planks, and uh, regular planks that she holds for like thirty seconds or a minute at a time. She does squats. She does full push-ups. Like her knees are not down on the floor. It's a hard workout. A couple of weeks ago, um, HMH, which is publishing the book, did a like try the RBG workout event in New York City. One of our contributors went to it, and I don't think she ever wrote about it, but she posted about it on our back channel that it was like she's very athletic and it was really hard. And also that she, as a woman in her early 30s, didn't feel like she could you know, stop in the middle of the workout or not complete some of the moves because every time people started backing down, Bryant Johnson would be like, well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 84 and she holds the plank. So <laughs> get on that. I find that very motivating. Uh, the fully illustrated book is met also with tips and like sidebars from Johnson about just how to get healthy and stay healthy. It's really fun. Like I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg is one of the most inspiring women that we have st- alive still today. Obviously very admired. This is a great book for the like exercise loving feminist in your life uh, or for anyone really, but I'm thinking especially about with the holidays coming up, you could do a like RBG workout plus the notorious RBG book. And if you have a more serious friend, you could add in the like My Own Words, which is a collection of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's writing from across her career, like beginning with pieces she wrote when she was in high school. Uh, that I talked about that on the show when it came out. It's a really incredible book as well. Um, but RBG workout, super fun. Also very challenging. If you have an exercise band and like some basic exercise stuff at your house, you'll be good to go. I think this would be fun to do with a bunch of girlfriends, even just like as a gag. Um, but it's a, it's really great. I think they did a good job with it. And I remember when the first interview with Johnson came out a year or so ago where he was talking about training her and what that's like. I was like, oh, I want to know more about this. And so I'm glad that this exists now. So again, it's called the RBG Workout. How She Stays Strong and You Can Too. It's by Bryant Johnson. Bryant Johnson. Oh, I thought yep. you were saying Bryant Johnson. And I know it's not I'm the same so, person. No, but like, it's like in- I'm, I'm still getting over a cold. <laughs> and so my enunciation is not awesome right now. I know it's not the same person. But in my head, I was imagining that she was working out with the lead singer of ACDC. <laughs> like, that was awesome. That would be also a really good book. Yeah. Would you like to hear about our first sponsor this week? Yes, please. This is kind of on a theme. Uh, our first sponsor is A Secret Sisterhood by Emily Madorakawa and Emma Claire Sweeney. And the book, the subtitle is The Literary Friendships of Jane Austen, Charlotte Bronte, George Eliot, and Virginia Woolf. Um, through letters and diaries that have never been published before, A Secret Sisterhood resurrects these basically forgotten friendships between some of our best-loved female authors and their little-known literary collaborators. Sometimes they were scandalous and volatile. Sometimes they were supportive and inspiring. But always, until now... They were tantalizingly consigned to the shadows. So these authors are writers, of course, they're friends. And the fact of their their friendships has sparked interest, you know, a- across people who care about books. And I think anytime like interesting writers are friends with each other, book people care about that, but especially writers as well known as Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte and George Eliot and Virginia Woolf. Their opinions are sharp-tongued, they're sometimes radical. 
Mary Taylor, who is uh, one of the women mentioned in the book, would go on to pen early feminist works that shaped Charlotte Bronte's most influential novels. We learn about the relationship between Virginia Woolf and Catherine Mansfield, which has been remembered for a lot of wrong reasons, but they were not bitter rivals. They were friends whose mutual encouragement led to some of each of their best work. Um, These literary friendships have been just downplayed throughout history, and the image of solitary female, female authorship has persisted. You know, there's a lot of cultural junk around the idea that women compete with each other and don't lift each other up. And this book, you know, goes to show that that is cultural junk, uh, but that these very successful and very well-known and sometimes controversial figures were friends with each other and supported each other through uh, their letters to each other. And we get to see their own personal processing of that in their diaries. I think this sounds really fascinating. I can't wait to read it. Again, it's called A Secret Sisterhood. It's by Emily Madurakawa and Emma Claire Sweeney. Book time. More book time. My next pick, it might, I think I've said this before, it might be my favorite cover of the year. I can't decide. There's so many good ones. But it's A Line in the Dark by Melinda Lowe. It has that hand, that like very pale hand with like the black ink dripping off the fingers. It's so, because of course I love it because it's like so creepy and, and ominous, but I just, I love it. And it is indeed a dark, twisty, young adult novel. Um, It starts with Jess. She is a teen girl who is secretly in love with her BFF, Angie. Um, She's kind of, uh, Jess is kind of awkward. She's a bit of an outsider. She likes to draw comics, but she doesn't really like to interact with people. But Angie is just her whole world. Um, And she has really strong feelings for Angie. You know, some of them are romantic and, and she doesn't know what to do about it. But... It, but then Angie falls for Margot, who is a girl from a nearby boarding school and sort of ruins anything that Jess might have had planned. Um, and now she has to deal with Angie and Margot's relationship, you know, when she really wants it to be her and Angie. And then, making matters more complicated, Margot's BFF Ryan disappears. And that's when it shifts from Jess's point of view to the third person and is sort of mixed in, like, it's telling the story of everything that's going on and and also mixed in our um, details from the police investigation, like files and reports and stuff like that. It is a solid, twisty novel dealing with jealousy and stalking, and it has an an explosive ending. Although I will say, and, and I've read this many times since I've read the book, the ending felt a little bit rushed. I would have liked a little more of the ending, but... I th- we've discussed this before. I think the mm-hmm. ending of a book must be the hardest thing to write because, you know, it's it seems to be whenever I have a, a like, I'm like, oh, with a book, it's always at the end, you know. You got to really stick the landing. Yeah. But, like, even then, it's still great. It's, it was really fun, and I loved reading it. Um, so, again, it is called A Line in the Dark, and it's by Melinda Lowe. My next pick is We're Going to Need More Wine, Stories That Are Funny, Complicated, and True by Gabrielle Union. You might recognize that name because she has been a successful actress for quite a while. And this is a really excellent memoir. Um, She grew up black in an affluent, mostly white neighborhood outside LA, but she would go back to the Midwest to visit, you know, extended family over the summer and dive back into a mostly black neighborhood and a mostly black community. And the opening parts of the book, she writes 
in great depth and I think with a lot of candor about trying to balance those two identities, that when she was at school in her fancy LA neighborhood, she really tried to tamp down her blackness. She like felt that she couldn't be friends with the other black girls. There were only a few of them because it would make each of them more noticeable as a black person. Um, And then struggling to like be black enough, basically, when she was back at home in the Midwest over the summers. Balancing those two identities. And then we move up into her life becoming an actress, being black in Hollywood, like the struggles of having black hair when they don't have anybody black in the makeup room on a big production. And then she writes about sexuality very, very openly, about feminism, about what it means to her to be a modern woman, uh, and about uh, rape allegations made against the director and actor uh, that she made against the director and actor, Nate Parker. Um, but she's now in, she launched her career obviously in the mid '90s. But she's now in her mid 40s. Um, she's lived a lot of life and has a lot of stories to tell. And this is it's really fun to read. It's also very substantial. This is a really excellent memoir um, that I think goes against the stereotypes that people often have about what celebrity memoirs are. Um, I really appreciated her perspective. She's been very outspoken, especially in the last few years, about politics and about feminism. And like getting to read some of the stories about experiences in her life that shaped her in that direction was really satisfying and interesting. I think this book would be great on audio. I typically read celebrity memoirs on audio, but I don't get them in advance. Um, So I read this one as a digital galley. I honestly might get it on audio and like listen to it in six months or so when I've forgotten pieces of it and just revisit it again. Um, But she's, I think, been a very brave and outspoken advocate for many causes, especially for victims of rape and sexual assault. And you get to see more of that woman here, in addition to also just some really funny stuff. Um, She's just very honest, very smart about what's going on in the world and about what her place in it is. I think Gabrielle Union like knows what her lane is. And this book is very much about being there and using her particular position as a Black woman in Hollywood, but also just as a very recognizable and powerful woman. Uh, she does it very well. So again, it's we're going to need more wine. And it really does. This book does feel like you're having drinks with a girlfriend who's telling you her stories. Um, Stories that are funny, complicated, and true by Gabrielle Union. Nice. Yeah. So, moving on. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) My brain paused there for a second. It's Friday evening. Who needs a segue? So, I've read several of the books out today. I didn't enjoy all of them, which I'm not going to tell you about. But I needed to save some for the newsletter, so I thought I would tell you about a couple other great books that have already come out recently that I loved that we haven't discussed. That sounds good. first one is Moxie by Jennifer Matthew. It's about a girl named Vivian Carter. She goes to a very small school that basically exists for its football team. Like, everybody's either a cheerleader or on the football team or attending the pep rallies and the football games. And the principal is all about the football team because his son is the star quarterback. Which also means that his son gets away with pretty much whatever he wants. Um, he's, he's a sexist jerk. He makes horrible remarks to the, to the girls in Vivian's class and to her, you know, they, he makes stupid jokes while they're trying to talk in class. 
And Vivian is just getting really, really tired of the school's sexist attitudes. She's she's tired of them giving all the money to the football team for whatever they need when the girls' soccer team's uniforms, you know, haven't been changed in, like, 20 years. And she's really tired of the sexist dress codes where the teachers come in and measure the girls' skirts or measure the straps on their shirts and make them wear, like, humiliating T-shirts for the rest of the day or send them home to change when they don't do anything to the guys and just call them out in class and embarrass them. And she's just really tired of it. And so, inspired by her Riot Girl mother, that's G-R-R-L, in case you people aren't as old as me, uh, she's been looking through her mother's collection of zines and decided, like, she's going to make her own. She's going to make her own, like, independent little little zine <coughs> and distribute it. And so she makes one called Moxie, and it says, Moxie Girls Fight Back. And she basically says, are you tired of the school being sexist and the football team getting away with everything? You know, if, if so... This Friday, come to school with stars and hearts drawn on your hand and show your support. You know we're tired of, of being treated that. You know we're tired of being treated this way. Um, but she's like also afraid of getting in trouble, so she distributes them secretly, like puts them around the school before it opens. You know, and so when Friday rolls around, she sees that some girls have stars and hearts on their hands, and she's like, oh. And as she writes a couple more issues, as you know, other things go on in the school. And, you know, these these actions, you know, have consequences. Like, girls are starting to stand up and listen, and more and more girls are supporting, you know, standing up for themselves. And But the principal doesn't like this at all, of course, because, you know, he wants to have complete control. Um, you know, and so he's trying to find out, like, who is causing this, you know, who is supposedly, you know, rebelling against the school and, and bringing all this attention that he doesn't want um, as more and more girls get fed up. And it's just, it's a really great, smart book about feminism and sexism and standing up for yourself. And I really enjoyed it. It's called Moxie, and it's by Jennifer Matthew. That sounds like a lot of fun. It was a really good read. I really, I really dug it. So, you gotta tell me about our next sponsor. Yes! Switching gears, our next sponsor is The Dark Lake by Sarah Bailey. Rosalind's secrets didn't die with her. Detective Sergeant Gemma Woodstock is deeply unnerved when a high school classmate is found strangled, her body floating in a lake. And not just any classmate, but Rosalind Ryan, whose beauty and inscrutability exerted a magnetic pull on Smithson High School. Rosalind's enigmas frustrate and obsess Gemma, who has her own dangerous secrets, an affair with her colleague, and past tragedies that may not stay in the past. Brilliantly rendered, The Dark Lake has characters as compelling and, my- and mysteries as layered as the best thrillers from Jillian Flynn and Sophie Hanna. So if you're looking for a good dark thriller, if you like Jillian Flynn, any of those others, Grand Central Pub suggests you pick up The Dark Lake by Sarah Bailey. And we thank them for sponsoring. Yes, we oh, certainly And we'll do. have a link to it in the show notes. That's how this works. I almost forgot my line. <laughs> it's Friday night. <laughs> Uh, all right. So it is Friday night. Often on Fridays, I unwind from the week by cooking a big meal. Like I, you know, take out my feelings by chopping a million onions or something. And so I have a large cookbook collection. And my next pick is the most recent addition to my cookbook collection. Though I'm not sure that I'm actually up to cooking anything in it yet. I'm going to hold on to it as aspirational. 
It's WD-50, The Cookbook by Wiley Dufresne and Peter Meehan. And if you are familiar with the food world, uh, you'll know Wiley Dufresne is a really groundbreaking, innovative chef. He has a restaurant on the Lower East Side called WD-50. And this cookbook is the dishes that made the restaurant famous. Dufresne is famous and the restaurant is famous because he's one of the sort of initial inventors, like one of the first chefs to start doing molecular gastronomy. And if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like modern art. It's the modern art of the food world. Um, Like it's not just about flavors and a nice presentation, but about, uh, I Googled the definition so that I could say it for sure. But trans the physical and chemical transformation of ingredients that occur in cooking. And it investigates the social, artistic, and technical aspects of food. Um, a lot of chefs apparently reject this notion and they call it things like multi-sensory cooking or culinary physics or experimental cuisine, but like all those terms sort of give you, you can probably picture what this means, um, what the what food might look like. Um, so it's really like fancy experimental food. And the WD-50 cookbook is, this is beautiful. Like it's a huge cookbook. It comes in a slip case that's also gorgeous. And you get the story behind how Dufresne sort of started cooking in this way, how he arrived at the inspiration uh, for the restaurant, and then the recipes for 50 of the best or most famous dishes there. I have flipped through it a few times and been like, holy cats, I'm a pretty good cook and I don't think I can do any of this. Or also like, that's a lot of work for a Friday night. <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> but I really am, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous cookbook. If you have like a gourmet chef in your life, this would also be a great thing to put on the holiday gift list for them. It's, uh, it, it is a stunner and it's kind of jaw dropping in the like, oh, somebody did that with food. Like they thought to do that and then they took the time and like there is a limit to how long I will spend in the kitchen. Um, but Wiley Dufresne, really amazing. This is book out from Anthony Bourdain's imprint with HarperCollins. And so you kind of get that Bourdain flavor as well. But it's a gorgeous book. Um, I wish that I felt capable of cooking more of these things. But I think part of the fun of cookbooks is if you're a cookbook collector is like, this is awesome. And I might never cook anything in here. But I like to think that someday I will. Uh, And so I'm going to hold on to it for that reason. But again, it's the WD-50, the cookbook by Wiley Dufresne and Peter Meehan. It is beautiful. So it's late it's middle of october and it's Mm -hmm. friday night and i didn't really plan very well for this so i'm now going to tell you about my last book by holding my laptop up to illuminate my notes because it's completely (laughs) dark in my office (laughs) um i'm like i'm like shining it on my whiteboard because i can't reach the light switch from here and Mm -hmm. i was like well i don't want to get up and miss anything so I'm, uh, yeah, so that's what I'm doing now. It's like the old days, kids. <laughs> <laughs> when we illuminated everything with our laptops. Yeah. So, my last pick, another book that came out, I think it came out August 1st, um, a novel that I loved and I keep thinking about, so I thought I would tell you about it, because I don't think, I'm, like, worried that we discussed it already, but I don't think we did. And it I don't is, think we did. It's called Motherist by Kristen Iskandrian. And it's a wonderful, wonderful novel. It's about a young girl named Agnes. She is off to college. It's the early 1990s. She is a college student. 
And she's doing all those things you do, making new friends, starting a new relationship, just really striking, learning how to strike out on her own and begin her adult life. Um, she ca captures all of this in these letters that she is writing to her estranged mother. Agnes's brother uh, took his own life a couple of years prior to when Agnes went to college. And understandably, you know, everyone is devastated. Um, her mother chose to leave. She left Agnes and her father behind. And so Agnes grew up the last two years of school with her dad, who's just the saddest, sweetest man. He's just a very nice man. Um, and so now she's, like, working out some of her issues of abandonment um, through these through these letters. And she's talking about, like, what her life is like and, you know, what they would be doing if she was there. You know, if they have Thanksgiving and Christmas and it's, you know, her mother's not there and it's weird for her. Um, and as, you know, this is developing, she discovers that she is pregnant. Um, and she doesn't know what she's going to do. She's, you know, trying to decide, does she want to be a mother? Has her mother been a good example to her? You know, does she want to experience, possibly experience what her mother has gone through? Um, you know, does, you know, what, what does it mean to have to like sort of mother yourself when your mother isn't there? Um, and it's just, it's so, so good and so funny and smart and just like, it's so funny for such a sad story. I mean, it's sad, but it's fantastic. It reminded me a lot of, um, Juno. It reminded me of Jenny Ophel and I, I absolutely loved it. So again, it's called Motherist. And it's by Kristen Iskandrian. I'm going to bring us down for my last segment of the show. Um, I had a different book picked out for this segment to talk about as my book that's coming out today that I'm looking forward to reading. But I was going through my mail like 20 minutes before we started recording. And I just got this, um, this book. It came out October 3rd, but it just showed up on my doorstep. It's called Undying, A Love Story by Michelle Faber, who wrote The Crimson Petal and the White, which is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, he also wrote Under the Skin. He wrote The Book of Strange New Things, uh, a gorgeous collection of short stories that I can't remember the name of. Anyway, I really love Michelle Faber. And this is a collection of poetry that he wrote after his wife died, um, after a six-year battle with cancer. I'm crying just thinking about it. Like, I probably will not make it through this collection of poetry. But these are, according to the synopsis, bright, tragic, and candid, um, that they chronicle what it means to find the love of your life and then have to say goodbye. Um, not an easy, like, I can't even read the synopsis. Um, so probably not an easy book to read. But if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that, like, this is a thing that I like to read about. Um, I've read a lot of books about the funeral industry. I've read a lot of books about sort of end of life practices and the ways that different cultures handle the end of life, like approaching death and then what we do after death. Um, it's a thing that I think about. I think it's a thing that matters that we end our lives um, and that we help the people that we love have a meaningful uh, way that life ends. And that we don't talk about that enough in culture. It is hard, and so we just ignore it. Um, so I'm happy to see an author that I love come out with something that is, I would guess, very raw and very honest about what that experience is like. Um, so I will be reading this very soon, but probably very slowly. Again, it's called Undying, A Love Story by Michelle Faber. Hmm. I know. I know. Very sad, but probably very beautiful. So those are the new books this week. 
what are you going to read next? Today in the mail, I got the new essay collection from Sloane Crosley called Look Ooh. Alive Out There. Yeah, I'm excited. It's her first essay collection since... Uh, I was told there'd be I... cake? No, how did you get this number? Which I think was like six or seven years ago. Um, she had a novel a couple of years ago called The Clasp, which I absolutely loved. But Did she not write I was told there'd be cake? <laughs> she did, but that came out before How Did You Get This Number? Oh my gosh, I'm so That was old. like 10 years. I know, I was like, oh, that was a few, no, 10 years ago. <laughs> I was um, thinking like, oh, that book came out like four years ago. Right? It's so crazy. How is it Friday already? Like, I, I used to measure days by when we recorded on Monday, but it seems like the new, like, recurring thing that I get takes the place of of whatever day I plan on. So now, like, doing the book radar every Friday is, like, how I measure time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how is it Friday again already? Um, so it was a complete rant, not even related. All right. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to read. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to read? I think I need a break from serious things. So I'm going to read Wild, W-I-L-D-E, In Love, by Eloisa James. It is the first book in her new romance series about Lord Alaric Wilde, who is the son of a duke, and he is the most celebrated man in England, revered for his dangerous adventures and his his rakish good looks. Um, and he's arriving back in London after years abroad, having no idea that he's famous. And then he meets this one young woman who has a love of books and body jokes. So I'm in. Uh, but she wants nothing to do with someone whose private life is all over the newspaper. And so naturally, he will want her, and then eventually she will want him, and things will happen. <laughs> body jokes. At first, I was thinking like B O D Y, and I was like, <laughs> like slim good body. You I can't enunciate today. <laughs> I, and I yeah. can only hear out of one ear, so we're, we're a great combination. <laughs> Between us, we are one woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that does remind me the new Beverly Jenkins is up on Edelweiss today. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I need the predictability of a romance right now. It's just been a hell of a week. Give yeah. me something that I know how it's going to end. Yeah. It'll so be that's good. my plan. That's our show. We made it. <laughs> We're going to need more wine. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we and Gabrielle Union. Imagine the two of us getting to have wine with Gabrielle Union. That oh, would be my goodness. Awesome. When, I read the, when I read the promo stuff for that, and they're like, she's in her mid-40s. I was like, no, she is not. It is not fair. Holy cats. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so those are the new books and some older favorites out this week. Thank you to our sponsors, A Secret Sisterhood and The Dark Lake. We'll have links to both of those in the show notes. And of course, you can find them wherever books are sold. If you have something to say to us, you can do that at all the books at bookriot.com or talk to us on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. And if you've got a minute to rate or review the show on Apple Podcasts, that helps other people who love books and podcasts to find their way to this podcast that is about loving books. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And in the meantime, in the meantime, happy happy reading. reading.